Fitz is going, stop the show. You guys are ruining it. Back up. Welcome to the RC Roundtable podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the RC Roundtable. I am your host for today, Lee, and with me is, drumroll please, <laughs> Terry Dunn. Hey, good morning. Hey. Unfortunately, our good friend Fitz uh, is out of pocket today. He will not be with us. I need I need to have that, that audio stuff. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we really set it up like a DJ booth. Uh, but no, Fitz can't be with us today. And that was kind of a last minute deal because up until last night, we thought it was going to be a normal recording session and we had a good guest lined up and everything. And then Fitz pulled the rug on us. Yeah. Damn him. Some sort of work emergency. <laughs> we told him we would muddle through an episode so our fans would not be... Uh, podcastless <laughs> is that good <laughs> uh, no i don't know oh my drugs are okay my drugs aren't making me creative <laughs> they're just making me more stupid uh, but i and i'm going to apologize uh, during this show i'm still recovering from some crazy sinus surgery and infectious diseases and uh and lots of drugs that they're making me take so <laughs> who knows where this show will go like at least ever. you're recovering though I am slowly, yes, I am slowly on that uphill recovery phase. And as I was telling Terry before we started, I'm, uh, we, I saw a new doctor yesterday, and he basically said, "Well, do you know how when you ask the question, how long does the recovery take?" And we'll tell you, like, well, some patients recover in like two to three weeks. You're that other patient we talk about that says, and some take four to five years. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm definitely yep. on the the slower side of recovery, and I'm doing my best. And I will say the. Um, like I think yesterday was one of my first night at, night outs in several weeks to go enjoy the outside world. So I want to hear about that. You will, and because later apparently the there were airplanes involved. There were airplanes involved. We will talk about that later in the show. A couple of new releases. I'm sure everybody has has heard about them, but uh, you know, Motion RC is just like I, I got to do that little. You can't do it on the podcast here, but it's like that little dollar bill thing where they just shoving out planes, you know, up in the air. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> everybody or or Oprah Winfrey, you get a Corsair, you get a Corsair. Uh, so yeah, they Flightline RC has come out with a well, it's a a, a matching pair, I guess, of Corsairs. Uh, these new 63-inch wingspan, or I feel like the metric system, 1,600 millimeters Corsairs. And, you know, what what uh, is attractive to me is like, I do like Corsairs. And I'll tell you, because I, I the other Corsairs I have are, have the dark navy, navy blue scheme, I'm kind of like in the birdcage scheme. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm with you 100%. I like Corsairs as much as anybody, and I've had several. But once I saw that they had the early model with the, the birdcage canopy, I'm like, ooh, now I'm interested. Uh, I, I really do not know a lot about it. I haven't done a lot of research. In fact, uh, before we started, Terry and I were thinking, maybe we just save all the news until Fitz comes back. Because, you know, he usually has a lot of input. But, uh, I you know, I do like the scheme. So that was one of the first things I wanted to mention. That The scheme? The the sky matching? Yeah. <laughs> all over? Yeah. Look at the pictures. Like, oh, that photographer was having a rough time that day. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. I just said I like how it looked. I, I didn't say, yeah, when I fly it, I have no idea where I am. <laughs> yeah. It looks great on the ground and it's accurate, but yeah, man, it blends well. I was going to say, there's a reason why they, they paid them that way, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so the enemy couldn't find them. <laughs> They're not going to go into enemy territory in a bright orange or green aircraft. <laughs> but you've got the Tiger Cat, right? That's Flightline. I have oh, a yeah. Bearcat. Um, so my oh, initial experience, right. yeah. The, it was good stuff. So oh, yeah. I, I don't remember what your impression of the Tiger Cat was, but it oh, I love, seemed like I love my Tiger was. Cat. I, okay. I, and, and you know what? I don't know if they've if they've done this. And I, and I know it's kind of one of the many discussions I've found on threads is, you know, I just wish they'd include a little paint touch-up bottle because <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I get so much hanger rash. <laughs> it just started. Yeah. I drop something and sure enough, my Tiger Cat's sitting right next to me and it just, you know, it gets a ding there. So. So, yeah, in terms of a foamy, this is uh, pretty good. I think it's continuing the trend of becoming more scale-like in ways that we probably didn't expect a few years ago. 
And I think the prop itself, I guess there were Corsairs that had three blades and some that had four blades. And I don't remember where that transition was made, but this one has a three blade and something I saw said it's 90% of scale or very close to the actual scale size. Oh, and yeah. So I, I assume that's good from a looks perspective. That's good. Hopefully it's not a detriment in the performance area because I, I know it took some extra skill from the pilots to handle a course here because it had such a huge prop. <laughs> Unlike the DC-3s that we had that were just barely above the ground. <laughs> they, right. they, got, they got enough clearance, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I remember reading a story from a guy who was doing carrier trials, learning how to fly a Corsair, and he did a missed approach and then just jammed the throttle forward and next thing he knew he was upside down on the runway oh man wow well i don't think that that plastic prop has the mass to flip it it's got the torque baby it's it's got the torque yeah yeah we'll see so Um, look looking at the specs it requires a six channel radio Uh, it this goes with a six cell 500 Shoot, 500, 5,000 million. <laughs> That's a quick flight. Right. <laughs> what do we get the C rating to start up the darn thing? Taxi out, change the battery. <laughs> All it can do is the lights. <laughs> <laughs> or or you, you'll be lucky if it does the gear, right? right. <laughs> and it does uh, something that uh, I think we may have talked to in the past about it having a separate decal set. So you get to choose what you want to put on there. Oh, okay. So, what decals you like and it's an odd little note but i understand that it's probably uh, scale like but I, I i looking at the dark one the darn uh you know shot down stickers they do is the the sun. kill markings yeah thank you kill markings <clears throat> you know they just they just look ugly on the uh on the dark blue one just slapped right out over the the lettering uh-huh. i don't know uh-huh. i mean that, i mean again it's probably scale so that's probably how it was but it just that's it's kind of distracting Maybe that maybe it could be why I'm leaning more towards the the gray. But um. all right, well, I've been focused on the birdcage. I haven't even looked at the the other canopy version. Is is that the only difference? The paint job in that section of the fuselage. Uh, uh here as we watch, record the show and do this at the same time, our research. Uh, I think that's it. Okay, so yeah, this one has a three blader too. And there's no question that the later model Corsairs are. To me, prettier. Well, you know, I don't even know if I would say that. That birdcage is just kind of sleek, and I like it. But, so this is a big airplane, 63-inch. It's yeah. a big honking foamy. And tell me about the flaps. Yes. <laughs> what happened? They're not just... I was hoping you would have the details on Of course you would. That's that's Fitz's job. That's uh, true. My my job is to criticize one thing, <laughs> and, I've worked, and I've done that already. <laughs> so <laughs> just one, just it's usually one thing, you know. It's just, I always oh. pick on one major thing, and it wasn't the flaps. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. I just found a bullet on here, an eighteen twelve prop, which I say is ninety percent scale. Eighteen twelve. If you say it one more time, because you know you should always do thing in threes, it'll really have an impact on our listeners. For those in the back. 18 by 12, three-blade <laughs> propeller. So four-panel split flaps. So you know they got to work their way around that gull part of the wing. So four separate panels of the flaps, which yeah, I don't know if that's any better performance than a simpler setup, but I think it certainly would look cool. Yeah. Well, I've got my split flaps on my top flight Corsair I'm working with. It always just feels weird that, you know, a, a piece of, it looks like a fiberglass material is going to hold and grab the flap next to it and pull it down and up. Right. But, but it works. You know, that's, yep. That's the method they've been using for a long time. So anyway, we could sit here and talk about this, but we need Fitz's input too. So, you know, Fitz is probably screaming right now. It's like, why didn't y'all talk about this? Why didn't you talk about that? Uh, we'll follow up with Fitz in, in a couple of weeks and he can like go, all right, let me tell you everything you got wrong. <laughs> all right. So that's the flight line course here. Cool guys. Uh, you know, love y'all bringing more stuff out and I'm still waiting for that uh, O2 Skymaster. So get get on it. Yeah. Don't you hold your breath. Yeah. All right. Hold on. We didn't cover the basics again. So I, we I'm covered the price. At... We got the price, three ninety nine. We got the wingspan. We we mentioned the Did battery, we... six channel receiver. Okay. What else do you need to know? 
Well, how many versions are there? Is it just the plug and play? Oh, That's all wow. I see. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, it just says coming soon airplane. So okay. wait, I till, see wait till January. <laughs> yeah. When it shows up, that's when you know what's in it. There you go. <laughs> oh. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, um, I've got a little more to add here. Oh. I've had other big Corsairs. I had the FMS. They've had a few. And I think it was a 1500 millimeter. And it was a nice looking and a nice flying airplane. And I, man, I mangled the, the retracts on that. I did a stall about a foot off the ground and just plowed the retracts through the wing. But I ended up fixing it and flying it some more. And then eventually either giving it away or selling it. I can never remember. But uh, yeah, it was a nice airplane. And being that big is really, it gives it a a different presence than a park flyer. So it's fun to see. I don't remember the exact wingspan on the uh, Tiger Cat, but I do like flying that. I don't get to take it out often. It's pretty big, and I, I need to come up with a, a, a carrying case or you know, find a better <laughs> way to, to put it together or have a way so it sits in the car without the wings on top of each other with blankets. So I, I've seen some really cool PVC stuff that people have done. But, but yeah, flying the Tiger Cat is, is, a, is a joy. So I'm yeah. really glad I have that in my arsenal. All right, so let me tell you another story. When they did the release video on this Corsair last week, um, again, I didn't see the birdcage canopy, birdcage canopy at first. And so I was like, okay, that's kind of cool, but yeah, great, another big Corsair. Then I saw the birdcage, and I'm like, ooh, wow. And then I had a memory of a conversation from about a month ago. One of my magazine editors called me. He said, I've got this project you might want to take on. It's, uh, it's another thing from Motion RC. I don't know what it is yet. They haven't told me what it is. They just want me to reserve a slot for this new plane they have coming. And it's a 1600 millimeter something or other. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. And motion's always got pretty good stuff, but it's already snowing here. I'm not going to have a runway. And I assume a plane that big is going to have retracts and I can't just hand launch it. So now nah, I'm out. Give it to somebody else. Then I'm like, oh, no, this is what I gave up. Wow. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, I'm still guessing, but yeah, I may have just passed on reviewing this airplane unwittingly. Goodness. I know. Oh. I would have flown it off the dadgum highway if I'd have known this. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Or just I'll go buy up. several sheets of plywood and then just <laughs> throw them in the <laughs> Yeah. I'd just set a car on fire or something to shut down the highway for a little while and do my flying. What, do you, what, what kind of damage would you would you have if you landed that thing gear up in a big snow pile? Um, I'd worry more about the prop than anything else. Because <laughs> with a three-blader, it's not going to get out of the way. And those hubs are probably not strong. So, and, uh, Oh, well. No, I'm sure it's at somebody who lives down south and can do a proper job on it. But, man, it'd be fun to have one of those in hand just to, to look at f until spring. Yeah, well, definitely watch. If you, I mean, if you have any interest, some people are anti-foam, and that's that's okay. We, I'm I'm do both. So, uh, but this is oh. a really cool look. Yep. Oh, he's got more. There's more I do. Terry. I, well, now this is a question because your tiger cat is dark blue, right? Yes. Does that gator skin when you're out in the sun? It has. Okay, so I'm wondering if this lighter gray on the birdcage would have the same effect. Good point. Well, I don't know. So yes, think about that if you're if you're in uh, a very. Well, I think most people do have a sun somewhere in the sky. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, uh, it it has a little bit, not too bad though. I've had I have had had it worse on other planes. Okay, yeah, you won't see this one once you take off, but at least it won't get your skin on the ground. I'm just gonna put some orange streamers on the on the wingtips. Oh, there you go. <laughs> one big red bomb on the bottom, so I know exactly <laughs> where the bottom is. <laughs> Yeah, you're, that, is, that is true. That's like the, the it's it does appeal to me as far as aesthetics on the ground. But you're right. Once it's in the air, you're like, wow, where is it again? You do not want to fly in the clouds. I, did I tell you about that, by the way, about the wings over Houston? Sounds familiar, but refresh oh, my memory. This, uh, gosh, I don't I think it was the F-16, but and I apologize. I don't remember who the pilot was, but uh, on on the um, his name was probably Buster. OK, we'll call him Buster. Uh, and I want to say it was the Saturday show uh, when the weather was not looking good. But anyway, uh, he took off and there were some low clouds. And this is a jet. It's like I think it was the F-16 jet, the Thunder, 
Uh, Full scale or RC? RC, RC. Oh, okay. So this is an RC showcase at a full scale air show. Yeah. (laughs) Ding. That's correct, Terry. All right. Well, Uh, I'm painting the picture. Uh, You are. You do a great job of that. Um, So anyway, he was flying low, did his stuff, and then he he went up, down down the runway, and started pulling up into a loop, and the jet disappeared into the clouds. And these were low clouds, so he wasn't like, you know, way up there. And it disappeared. And man, what is it? I... I think I told Fitz that because I think he said that was a butt, cl- a butt clincher. Right. Oh my god! I that ain't the only thing that disappeared. I stopped breathing, and I was like, I was like with Ryan. I was tapping, saying, "Ryan, Ryan, Ryan," because <laughs> I was afraid something was going to happen. <laughs> but man, I bet that guy just freaked out because I mean, when you're flying a jet, you know they, these things get out of your vision pretty darn quickly. But then when yeah. they actually do disappear, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. my god! So I'm just assuming he just held up. I yeah, mean, just hold that same angle. Yeah, and you know, didn't and move your breath. It. I mean, he probably didn't move an itch. <laughs> he was probably stuck there, frozen. But yeah, I will tell you, after that, after it came back out of the clouds, I don't think I saw it leave twenty feet off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was low level flying. It, Did he hug it when it landed? Oh, I don't know, but I think I went up to the the pilot area where the all the RC planes were standing. I was like, whoever flew that, tell them. Wow, I was, I felt sorry for them when that plane disappeared. But yeah, that was pretty darn hairy. So going back to the Corsair, I can imagine if you had that thing pretty high, or if you had some, you know, cloud cover or a little bit of fog or something, you do not want to get that out of your, out of your sight. Yeah. Anyway, that was a long, long topic on this Corsair. Do we have time for our other plane? Or yeah, the re just... the re release? Why don't you introduce the re release? Oh gosh. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> So another airplane that was released this week via a video online was E-Flight's new F-16 and Thunderbird scheme. New-ish. Well, what do you mean new-ish? Because, all right, let's talk about that a minute. E-Flight has had an F-16 in the past. And when I first saw this, I'm like, oh, they took the old airframe, put some new electronics in it and, and called it a day. But with a little bit of research, it does not seem to be the case. I think it looks to be a whole new airframe okay. with new electronics. Yes. The wingspan is different. And if you look at the air intake, the older one was kind of roundish and non-scale. The newer one, the new intake look, looks accurate anyway. So, yeah, I think they uh, took an old idea and rehashed it completely. Yes. And did you watch the flight video? Uh which they one? Were, well, the one that I saw was uh, a couple guys flying the uh, two of them in the the parking lot at Horizon. Oh gosh, I don't think I did. But yeah, keep talking. I'll I'll do it real quick. Well, no, it seems to have a, a very impressive flight envelope. They were oh. crawling around at high alpha, and then they pushed the throttle forward, and they were zooming. Well, I I saw the photos where they you know had them all lined up like they were the Thunderbirds taking off. Yeah. It, it does look impressive. I, I have an F-16. Don't remember who. Uh, give me a second. It was one of the Graben uh, F-16s. Not one of my favorite. It's got the vectoring on it. Mm, was that maybe one of the ones that Hobby Lobby used to sell? I don't remember who made those. But. Golly. I, I It has been collecting some dust. It's 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 kind of a all hands on deck for flying that thing. Whew, so well, Is it flyable? Oh, yeah. It's flyable. Okay. So... Just, it's, it's just fine. touchy. It's not, I mean, if I if I like of my favorite EDFs, I'd probably rank my my vampires first, and then the uh, the F twenty Tiger Shark second, and then F sixteen is like my health way down the line. <laughs> you fly it because you feel like you have to. <laughs> yeah, I feel guilty. Gotta not get because it's fun. So, uh, oh, and how many Blade fan is this one? A like lot. One. Yeah, it's like twenty seven. Because I'm know. assuming the noise that really does help with the noise, so it says twelve blade. Wow, yeah. I think my like my my first EDF was three. <laughs> so, uh, what was that? That links. I think my links, my Hobby Lobby links, was maybe a five blade fan. So I, I could definitely see the improvement with a twelve. So yeah, it's a twelve blade, seventy millimeter fan, delivers excellent top speed and vertical performance, plus turbine like sound. So let's pretend Fitz was here. It has seventy ums. 70, mm, it's a good size. Yeah. Wish it was 80. Because right. <laughs> if it was 80, he'd say what? Right. Wish it was 90. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 6S, 4,000 milliamp battery. Okay, do you want to go on an AS3X rant? I think, 
you would I, you know, I think I need AS3X on this other F16 I've got. I think I might like it better. You know, it's it's the rant is this, guys. Make up your mind how you're going to advertise AS3X and safe. If every safe plane has to have AS3X, then you got to have them both. So I'm I'm happy that this one is listing AS3X and safe, and they call it safe select. And I'm starting to see that too more often where you see both only when it says safe select because there's three types of safe. So anywho, I like it. I, I'm fine with that. Do you, gosh. What's you, the safe word? <laughs> I don't know. Pumpernickel. Pumpernickel. All right. I'll try to remember that. Uh, I, here's, here's the first thing that came to mind though on a, on a, on a jet with safe. If you've got that thing in beginner mode, and you've got a lot of power, and you've got that thing restricting your flight envelope so you can't turn very sharp, that's going to be a very wide turn. Yay or nay? Do you agree with me or disagree? Uh, I'm thinking. I know I've flown it safe in some high wing type planes. And yeah, you're kind of bending the sticks to get around the corner. Yeah, I don't know how that would compare here because it's all relative, right? Yeah, but if uh, you're if you're cruising along really fast with this jet and you've got safe beginner on, and unless it's thr throttling or governing your throttle, yeah. that is going to be a quite a wide turn because you can't get your angle up. Well, maybe maybe it's tuned specifically for this airplane so it doesn't do that, or maybe These, it has a secret GPS module and it it won't go far away. Oh, great. It hits a fence. It just stops. Yeah. It's the geo fence. It just stops. Yeah. Throws out a parachute. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, uh, that, so, yes, that's the only thing. I don't have a problem with the safe and, and AS3X. I think a, sta a stabilizer on a jet is always good. And, and I know guys yeah. who have the big jets that use a stabilizer and say they enjoy their aircraft more. So yeah. I'm all good for AS3X. Awesome sauce. But when you, when you kind of restrict your flight envelope, especially on a jet, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I'd have to know more. And these are the questions I'd like to ask, especially if there's a uh, someone who's reviewed this and, and flown in all three modes. These are the little things I'd like to know, because if you're training somebody, if you're getting someone into EDFs and things, I, yes, I think one of the biggest problems people have had with, uh, say, EDFs without any type of uh, training or some kind of performance module you get them to put the throws on the ailerons too high, they're going to roll that thing into the ground. It's just going to start corkscrewing because they don't understand very, very minor movements. And we, we talked about this before. I don't think this is a beginner EDF at all. I mean, would you say this is a beginner EDF? Uh, I don't know. I've never flown one. And watching that video, it didn't seem terribly hard to fly. Dude. But it was two ace pilots on the sticks, too. Yeah. I don't know. Just seems like a very fast little monster. Okay, so I'm trying to understand your gripe now. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> if this is safe select. You know, there's a switch where you just turn that off, right? Right, right. I understand. Okay, that. okay. So what's your concern? Well, if you are flying this in safe beginner mode, and you start a turn, how wide does that turn get? If you're restricted on your flight envelope performance. Are you ever going to fly in safe beginner mode? I, of course I'm not. So I'm I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about maybe that one listener out there that's going, hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to help them out. That's just a concern I have. Yes, I would not fly this with safe. Fine. Well, maybe. And I'm just theorizing here. Maybe they just have this huge warehouse full of the AR-636 receivers that have safe select built in. And rather than design a specific receiver for this airplane that doesn't have that, they just they use what they've got. Man, you could not hear my eyes rolling probably through Skype. <laughs> but if you could, <laughs> think bowling ball <laughs> down an alley. Oh, man. Okay. What, what's wrong with that? <laughs> what was that story we talked about? The, co the company that had all those extra gray monocoat or something, so they just built yeah. that huge plane. Yeah, we have all these 636s lying around. Let's, what can we build something around that? Uh, like, who could possibly complain about better features? Who would complain about that? This guy. Uh, yeah, we know. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, those are those are the things that keep me up at night. Yeah. Uh, so going back to forget safe for a moment on the, the jet. I like the way it looks. It's pretty cool. I like their little advertisement there. Is, and hey, who's calling it? We got a caller. Go ahead, forgot, caller. <laughs> I forgot to take the phone off the hook. It's, it's, ring 50 it's times. Fitz. Fitz is going, stop <laughs> the show. You guys are ruining it. Back up. 
You can't even turn it off? Not from down here. This is the weirdest thing because my house has a ringer in the basement. There's no phone jacks, but there's actually a ringer down here. So I guess the theory is if you're in the basement doing something, you don't want to miss that call. I cannot cut this from the show. This is awesome. So you have a bell ringing that's saying the phone upstairs is ringing. You need to stop what you're doing, run upstairs, risk falling and hurting yourself because you're so desperate to find out who could be calling in my house. I thought I had disconnected it once and then found out a few days later I'd unhooked the doorbell, which also has a secondary ringer in the basement. So uh, I I, I clipped the red wire when I should have clipped the blue and I set off the bomb. Our young listeners heard that and go, what is that strange bell? (laughs) (laughs) We were somewhere, um, oh, an antique store a couple weeks ago and my kids saw a rotary phone. I had to explain to them that that's how things used to work. <laughs> uh, I apologize, listeners. We just love getting off on strange tangents. If you, if you didn't like me just making up crap, how about the phone ringing during the show? <laughs> oh, we've done that several times. I know. But anyway, back to the F-16. Cool looking. And I thought this is the this is the part I can't wait to get to the, the this part of the show. Uh, we were talking about doing the F-16. I think uh, Fitz had already sent us the link. He was wanting to talk about it. But then Fitz's friend Raymond sends us that photo of a Cessna 150 leading three F-16s from the Thunderbird team in a photo, a little photo he photoshopped. I said, man, the timing was perfect. Right. And that photo is taken off on our website, our Facebook page. Yeah, it is. And wow, Raymond, that was hilarious. I, I nearly just fell over in my chair when I first saw it. When uh, I think Fitz posted it on Instagram first, and I said, you've got to put that on our Facebook page. That is hilarious. Yeah. So That's I think a nice maybe, photoshopping, too. Yeah, maybe that's what we need to do. Let's let's get let's get three more of those birds, and I'll I'll do my Cessna one hundred and fifty in a Thunderbird scheme. We'll try to recreate the photo. All right. Well, uh, have we beaten this to death? Is it like available? What's the cost? I don't even feel like we talked about it. <laughs> See, that's why around it, guys. For those of you who have like stayed on, thank you. We really, I guess, we just do misfits on the new product stuff. He's he's more eager to tell us all the details. It's in stock online, two ninety nine. It has a wingspan. It has other stuff. It has decals. It comes with things. You have to it, provide things. Yeah, you have to add weight to it. It's uh, some color. It's got it's got a receiver, I guess. <laughs> the boy does it. <laughs> oh, what was that? Is it? Did I say at the bottom? Is it's got. Uh, Capable gear. Capable gear. <laughs> I just, I, that's the weirdest description of, of gear. I mean, usually you want like heavy duty, you know, retractable. Uh, yeah. eh, it's capable. Solid. <laughs> this is capable. It'll do. <laughs> it's capable gear. So, see, see, I think they got uh, uh, the two reversed. Like the one above it, the first one is capable gear. The one below it says durable precision. I think if you <laughs> flip those two adjectives, I think that'd be better. <laughs> yeah. So, capable well, precision. Yeah, this, this el- electric retracts, I think, is where we're going with that. <laughs> yes. Where so, the old version just had the plug-in. Yeah, sticks. The stick, yeah, the, <laughs> what they call them. Twigs. Oh, that's not good. So, so yeah, neat little plane. Well, and uh, for those uh, who may have had the e-flight of yesteryear, the F-16-400DF, you know, would you be interested in getting this new one? You know, what are your thoughts? Let us know. We're talking about the Kyosho Inferno. It's an eight-scale nitro-powered car, buggy, that I reviewed for Tested.com. And what's significant for me about this is that it's my first nitro-powered car ever. I've had bunches and bunches of brushed and brushless buggies, trucks, cars, motorcycles, whatever. But this is my first nitro-powered surface vehicle. And uh, it's pretty unique, I'll tell you that. And... I, I guess there's some comparisons to be made, but before I start doing that, what's the question that you had, Lee? Well, I I always read your articles, Terry. I, uh-huh. I'm usually the first one. Sometimes I, I read them before you do. <laughs> yeah, there's been more than once that you asked me a question about an article. I'm like, I didn't even know that was out yet. Uh, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I've never had a, a gas-powered car. I've seen them, and you're right there loud. I, I got a kick out of your, your noise comments. About well, we got to be careful with the terminology here. It's not gas, not gasoline. It's nitro fuel, like airplane fuel type stuff. So continue yeah. to use gas, but now that we've made that disclaimer. What do I know? Well, uh, I was very impressed with the price. Oh, yeah. that Same here. I Most 1.8 scale cars are much more than that, and so I think that's one of the big selling points of this guy yeah i mean the fact that it's like uh, uh, well i say uh, is it is it almost ready to run because it, i don't know how much building you had to do almost none does putting the batteries in count God, i mean for 350 bucks for that size car with a, a glow engine <laughs> yeah. so yeah 350 is a pre-built car and it comes with the 2.4 gigahertz pistol grip radio which it's not a fancy one but it's enough and Metal Gear servos, a 21 size engine. And I don't know if you'd call that a tune pipe or a muffler. It's, I guess it's more of a tune pipe. Um, it certainly isn't muffling a whole lot of noise. Yeah, and with a car this size, you would not be talking about bushings. You'd have bearings in those wheels, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's full ball bearings, um, three differentials. Um, they're gear differentials, but I think most bigger cars use gear differentials anyway. So um, it's... It's a significant machine. It's not a, a Walmart toy by any stretch. Okay. Well, if I'm I'm eager to talk to you about this part of your story. I just don't want to take it away too much from the entire vehicle. So make sure you get me back on track and, and let you summarize your experience with it. But I think what really intrigued me was your discussion about having the four onboard alkaline batteries. I know you are a complete anti-packaged you know, packaged alkaline receiver person i support you on that yeah except for like in boats i mean we just like, <laughs> it'll eventually hit shoreline um but because you were talking about switching to nickel metal hydride because the the steering servo was not responding as it should have and you felt like the batteries were not providing enough oomph uh to do so when you switched it, it turned out better uh it kind of yeah. had me revisiting the problem i had with the tiger cat where you know I was spending so much time troubleshooting it, wondering if I had a bad server or not. And it started making me think, well, were my ESCs providing enough power for all those digital servos in the Tiger Cat, which was causing my failures with the receiver. And, uh -huh. and then I started thinking, okay, should I really just reevaluate the Tiger Cat and bypass the onboard ESC power completely and use a dedicated nickel metal hydride or LIFE battery instead? And will that provide enough power? So it really, I, I don't want to take away completely or start a whole new conversation, but I am wondering about those questions with the power requirements for digital servos. And do we actually know if the battery you're using or the, the, the BEC in your ESC is providing enough power? And another guy on Facebook was talking about how can you test a, a servo by itself and know exactly how much power it needs to go each way and how much power is it taking when you're putting you know a force on it mm -hmm. so there um, you go i opened a huge can of worms but that but your story was intriguing to me because it really did make me think about that and and i think that's important for, for listeners to know about it's like do, does your battery pack your receiver battery pack provide enough power for your servos okay well let me back it up a little bit so what we're talking about is that this complete package from Kyosho, the one thing you have to provide is AA alkaline batteries, four power the transmitter, and four go in the normal square spring connection boxes that power the receiver. And I was a little bit concerned about that at first, only because there's no indicator for when the batteries are going to go dead. And I could just see myself tearing across the field at full throttle when I hit that point and, and it's gone. So again, I was a little bit concerned, but I'm like, all right, that's, that's the box stock configuration and that's what I should be testing. So I did. And then still in the shop, I tested out the radio and just started wiggling the, the control wheel back and forth. And I noticed that the servo steering servo was lagging behind once I started moving it quickly. I'm like, hmm, that's strange. So it just did some quick troubleshooting. I noticed that when I turned the wheel slowly, the servo had no problems. But as soon as I started working it hard, it would stutter. So to me, 
my first suspect was just that those alkaline batteries and the the poor connections on the, the you know those little spring things were just not up to whatever that servo needed. Now this is not a digital servo. This is a high torque analog servo. Oh, okay, but still, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, uh, power's power. So however you however you take it. And so I've got a a handful of different four cell NICAD and nickel metal hydride batteries. So I did a quick test, swapped out the alkalines, and bam, it worked fine. No matter how quickly I turned the wheel after that, the servo was keeping up. So that seemed like a pretty clear indicator of what the problem was. So I just made that switch, and I also added uh, an old voltage monitor that I had that I can see through a cutout in the body. So I killed two birds with one stone on that. Do you use Lifey batteries? I have some. I uh, Some two cells that I use. I use those on my Waco gliders, and I'd have to really think about the other stuff that I use it in. But yeah, I've got some. Would those be like 1,500 milliamp and less? I've got one set that's 1,100 milliamp hour, and then the regular A123 batteries are 22 or 2,300 milliamp hour. Yeah, those are the pretty hefty ones, aren't they? Uh, they're a little bigger than sub C. Yeah. yeah. And the smaller ones are 18650 size. But I've used those for a while, and they work pretty well with no regulator or anything. Just straight tap into the receiver. Well, this is where my lack of electrical engineering <laughs> comes to play and, and question everybody. But when I was troubleshooting the Tiger Cat, and we knew that the failure would occur when there's input being provided in the airplane. It just didn't just stop. It wasn't a, a range check. Is when you're when you were moving surfaces, something would fail. We, I think you and I first started thinking it was uh, something in the wings, either aileron or flap. And then we, you know, we pulled out the control board. We pulled out wiring. We we tried different things. In fact, you know, what I've ended up doing, even with the new receiver, is I've always been told not to mix two power sources from separate BECs if you're running a twin into right. the receiver. <clears throat> channels but there are uh, exceptions well in this case the couple of people i talked to i i'm thinking and don't hold me to this but i think even tom blakeney his on his tiger cat he does it he said i won't know i just went with the instructions and plugged them both in and never looked back so i that's how i was brought up and, and reading the stuff i had was you should never use power from two separate be you know becs or escs rather with becs and uh i right now i'm powering it the receivers with both and i haven't had where's some wood here haven't had any issues um but i'm i'd like to find a way to test a servo where i can see the peak loads and when you try to do it with a dvm you'll never get an accurate reading because it happens too fast right and so i've been trying to find if anybody's got an analog type meter you know something that can give you the max reading you know where you can Obviously, if you just see where it peaks, you know, or spikes rather, you'll you'll know. Or if there's a way where it'll get to a certain point and leave a tag to let you know this is how far the, the, the you use this much power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm sure if I plugged it into a computer, if if you went that far, if there's some kind of laptop application where I can plug a servo into a tester and then run it back and forth, and I can you know see a graph, that'd be great. But that that is in, interesting to me because I think that's something we we don't do. I think people buy a servo and they say, okay, well, this is a nine gram servo. That's no problem. I won't be able to handle that. And, and I'm sure those who run jets and stuff are probably a little bit more analytical and they probably just beef up their receiver batteries big time and run those dual power panels. But that for, for someone like me, I think I'd like to be able to test that. And your, your little problem was like, wow, maybe I should sit there and go through every servo on a wing and just do a quick test on it and just see if there's anything, you know, odd with one or two of the servos that's using more power than normal. I had a similar experience when I did the Tower Hobbies Ultimate biplane a couple of years ago. It had six of the Tactic digital servos, four in the wing and then one for elevator and rudder. And I was using a big castle something or other speed control with their built-in switch mode BEC. And I noticed just like with this car, when I was really moving the sticks around, it would freeze up for a second and then go back to normal. And luckily I realized that on the ground and not in the air, but, uh, I wasn't sure what was doing it at first. I thought, yeah, maybe it's a bad servo pulling too many amps, but what I ended up doing was making this uh, pigtail so I could 
use my watt meter to to measure the amp draw of well, no, I, I didn't need the pigtail for this. Um, without running the motor, I just used my watt meter to see how much power the the radio system was pulling when I started dancing the servos around. And um, it's a rough idea, and it's hard to get any sort of consistent pull, but you can see that there are some peaks there. And the particular watt meter I have is the Great Plains version, and it'll record peaks for you. It'll record one peak. So I ended up finding out that those six digital servos were pushing that BEC right to the limit. So I ended up getting a separate BEC that handled more and that took care of my problems. Well, and, and I see that. So here's, here's what's developing now that you and I are talking about this. Uh, the volt watch tells you how much voltage is left in your battery, but it doesn't tell you how much power is being used from it. What if they had something similar instead of a volt watch, it would be a watt or amp watch, where you could actually plug it in line with the battery that you're using or the BEC from your ESC. And when you're putting stresses on the servos, I say stress inputs, <laughs> if you're stressing your servo, <laughs> come on, work harder. Um, if you're, if you're doing Richard that, Simmons inside there, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. Uh, but the same type of situation, you have this graph on this volt watch. It's real simple. It's just little LEDs that peak, you know, go left and right. But if you could actually see a, a, the, the lights, I don't know what you call it, scaling, of how much power you're using. Like, let's say you have a, like a 10 amp uh, volt watch. I mean, how, how much, I think most of them are what, five amp is max on, on the, ESCs? The built-ins tend to be five amp. All right, so maybe you have a five amp or a 10 amp, you know, scaled meter, little inline device where it could sit there. You could watch like when you're moving the servos, how much power is actually being pulled. And then if you're starting to get to that red line, you might say, okay, wait, now I feel like I'm, I'm pulling a lot of power. You know, yeah, I'll have to look. A lot of those castle controllers have logging options on them. And I've used that for performance data i wonder if bec voltage is one of them and maybe you can see a voltage drop yeah and it's because i've never yeah. done this it's possible our listeners are already familiar with the device my test was with the dvm and it it worked okay i think i was able to determine just out of uh, for fun terry you know, lee is referring <laughs> to a digital voltage meter <laughs> ding that is correct uh I made, a, I made an inline pigtail, whatever you want to call it. So I was able to test several like nine gram servos and I could see that some were pulling more power than others. One uh, at a time? Yeah. Well, what's so the was, precision on that meter? Are you getting like well, one decimal of data? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty oh. high. It's a full 10 amp meter. But my point yeah. is I could see where they were, you know, when I was going back and forth and I could see how much power was, you know, was pulling, but I wouldn't know the peak. And because the DVM can't respond very quickly, I don't know what the, the millisecond is because, you know, it, it goes high and low and you're, you're talking about fast inputs. But I could see that some were using more power than the other. So I was able to see and notice that. But to me, an analog meter would have been way more accurate because I would have been able to see how far it was going all the way. Like I have a little servo tester. If I could just sit that in line with another meter and just have it run back and forth and, you know, at, at, at a continuous movement, I would be able to determine what that power usage demand is. Of course... You'd also have to put some stress on the arm too, so that would be like what you're saying, you know, no load. Yeah. Right. So I just I, those are the things I think about, and especially since I've had an issue where we think a servo could have caused the the voltage drop in a receiver, uh, and I think people should know about ways of testing if they run into issues like that. Phew! I knew this was going to talk a long time, but I, I I'm kind of glad you had that situation because I totally agree with you. If you have a vehicle that's using these little plastic containers for alkaline, try to get away from that. Try to go with something a little more stable, solid, you know, soldered, <laughs> you know, and I like your, your idea to put a volt watch on there. Doesn't, doesn't pull hardly any power. So okay. little things to make you a better pilot, make you, you know, make you question, you know, am I doing everything right? I don't think I've ever, you know, pulled in. I mean, I have looked at the chart, you know, they talk about how many servos can you handle with this speed controller, you know, and if you need more than, you know, four or five servos or something like that, you need to have a separate battery. I'm all good for separate batteries. I certainly believe in that. I've, I've been buying more and more uh, lifey batteries for several projects, and I'm very happy that I do that. Um, so there you go. That's my... That's my little tidbit today. Let's finish your car story because it was really cool. Yeah, I think you duped me. I think you just wanted to use my car as a segue to talk about your tiger cat. <laughs> I did tell you earlier in the show. 
<laughs> We're going to come back to that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a great article. I, I, I've never owned a glow fuel car. I have several electric cars. One of yours, by the way. And this is this is pretty cool. But I just I think what you need to do is give me that audio recording. <laughs> <laughs> the, well did you watch the video that i made for it video schmidio no i haven't made, i haven't seen oh video gosh watch the video because there's samples of the the sound there that, sh- that should be your ringtone it's just obnoxious <laughs> and put I've a whoopee watched... cushion put a whoopee cushion on the tail end <laughs> <All right. laughs> make it sound like one of those honda the, you All see right. those little plastic things that people are a little rubber Tips they put on uh, exhaust manifolds to make them sound like little rice burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that? Is that offensive to someone? Probably. But um, no, it's fun. It's uh, powerful and it smells like nitro, which also smells like childhood. So it's fun to drive. I, I'm very careful about when and where I drive it, though. Even when I was breaking the thing in in my yard, I was like, oh, gosh, the neighbors are just going to leap over the fence and murder me. So... um. I was very careful about how I did that, but yeah, it's fun. And I really like the eight scale stuff. It's just a little bit bigger and everything's beefier and you know, you don't feel like you have to be delicate with any of it. So I recommend it. Have you built a ramp yet? (laughs) No, I don't think I need to. They've got these skateboard and bike ramps just off the shelf. And I think that'd be perfect. I just need to go find one. Have you built a wall of flame yet? <laughs> uh, no, I can do a wall of snow right now, but probably not a wall of flame. I, I, the next thing I'm waiting for is just to, for you to slap on an old wing from something, strap it onto the top and see if you can get some lift out of it. Uh, right oh, down that's the street. been done. I know, but I'm talking with this one. Okay. I want to see you do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, no, no, not going to do it. I think if you put in like an apprentice, the top half of an apprentice on that, that would probably be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you get your own? I I might for that price. I might do that. What do you want from me, man? I I want you to awe and inspire me. Okay. Uh, You told me I already did, I thought. (laughs) Well, I I lost it. (laughs) What have you done for me lately? (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah. Cool cool story, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Neat, neat little car. Nice to have that. So anyway, thanks for thanks for letting me discuss my battery questions and digital servos or servo power requirements. So yeah, well, I, I, remind me, where do we end up with that? What are you doing about your Tiger Cat? Uh, I bought a new receiver and I'm putting power from both ESCs into the, the receiver. And so far, three flights, good to go. Okay, good. But I'm going to revisit this because someone's going to hopefully send me a link where they're going to say I'm wrong again and say, here, they already make something like that or they have this tool. And then I'm going to right. go buy it and I'm going to use it and I'll, I'll have an update on our uh, follow future podcast. Yeah. And when we're done with this, I'm going to go to the Castle Creations website and see if any of those built-in logging options include BEC monitoring. Because that would be interesting. Yeah, except I just I'd like it to be independent from the ESC because I want to just use a because I think that's another issue is does your battery support? It's kind of like why we have C ratings. Does the battery you use have enough power to, you know? Does your chewing gum lose its flavor? (laughs) Oh, okay. Why'd you go there? (laughs) I don't know. That's when you said that. That's what (laughs) slap in the face. Okay, sorry. No, I, I think just an individual tool. Okay, I'm I'm still looking at it. I'm I'm always like behind in in the game. Uh, someone's already got this tool out there, and I'm just gonna have to you know find it on you know Alibaba, whatever they call that site. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the least fun aspect of RC tool. Oh man, for people who hate their life, here use this tool to but, measure your servos. But we need draw. we need that person to help us when we're in time of need. You know, the yeah. one time we need it. Someone made that Volt Watch, and there are people like, what do you need a Volt Watch for? <laughs> but you needed it. Thank- well, Go write a letter to that Volt Watch guy. <laughs> Tell him thank you. <laughs> I think you're confused, but that's okay. <laughs> it's the drugs. Yeah. I need more caffeine, too. Do we, we have other fit- stuff to talk about? Yeah, we need fits. We need fits. He, he helps balance us. <laughs> He completes us? No. No. 
Or maybe it's just too much me right now. Just maybe we just have the Terry hour. Can we just go take a break and I'll come back in about thirty minutes? No. <laughs> Get your hand puppets out. <laughs> really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. Last night was our club's Christmas party. We had the little uh Christmas present uh, swap and whatever you call it. I, there's always, there's so many different names for it. Like a white elephant? It was kind of like a white elephant. I think, yeah, the, the, whatever the process is where everybody has brings a wrapped present, someone opens it, they decide if they want to keep it or not, or well, they, they basically have to keep it, and uh, yeah, the next person can steal it or they open a new present, yada, yada, yada. Uh, anyway, we had that little routine last night. It was uh, fun. Austin and I brought little gifts. But here is the story, folks. Uh, the first guy uh, was sitting next to me. He's a good friend of mine. He picked up a box, and it was an old E-Flight uh, Typhoon 3D plane. I don't know when those things came out, uh, but it's Park Zone. I said E-Flight, but I'm sorry. It's a Park Zone. Uh, yeah, it's been around for a while. A really short wingspan. <laughs> it's, it's like clipped, clipped. <laughs> clip, clip, wingspan. And uh, it was it was neat. It was definitely like sitting on a shelf for some time. But it's you know it was a nice little plane, so that was great. It's like okay, well that's definitely a lot more money than I brought so <laughs> to the party. So new in I, box, like a yeah, vintage. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> see, now you have my attention. <laughs> new in box, yes. And uh, I was starting to feel pretty bad. I was like, okay, I didn't bring anything over fifteen bucks, so I hope that's that was the most expensive. Well, Austin's next. Austin opens up another big box. It is a brand new VQ Warbird. 46 size L4A grasshopper. That thing's like about 200 bucks. Brand new wow. in box. Uh, our friend Andy from our Remote Control Hobbies brought it. But there was another box next to it. And dang it, it was a brand new Sato like 65, I think. <laughs> Four cycle engine for it. And that thing's uh, like... It's all a, part of the same package? Yes, it is. It's like... Uh, that's uh, more expensive than the plane. So it's like a $450, $500 package right there. Wow. And Austin picks it, and I'm like, oh, my God. I said, here's the sad part. It ain't going to stay in your possession, buddy. Nope. I mean, someone is going to steal, steal that. Well, I'll tell you what was amazing is that Austin was the youngest person there, but he's a member, okay? Mm -hmm. And the next few pilots chose not to take it from him. I mean, it was amazing, you know, because you, you wanted that. I mean, I would have yeah, sure. stole it from my son if I was number three. <laughs> And then uh, a friend of mine, I'm not going to name names, but then a friend of mine came over and he grabbed the Sato and he goes, hey, I'm taking the Sato, but I'm leaving you the plane. And I was like, I was all cool with that. It's like, that was very sweet of you, buddy. He goes, I really could use that engine. I said, okay. So he, he takes it, okay? And we, he leaves the plane because he knew Austin was going to get it. Well, that not like three or four people later, this guy goes, I'm taking that L4 grasshopper. <laughs> and he takes the grasshopper and the Sato for my friend. And then Oh, my, both? Yeah, he took both because it's one package. Yeah, 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 okay. And so Austin didn't see that coming. He was too busy because uh, he, he ended up having to get something else, you know, or, or yeah. I don't remember how it happened. Yeah, he got something else because, uh, you know, the um, the Sato was taken. So yeah. anyway. He'd already posted right. on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> Look what I won. <laughs> he probably did. I think he was telling his friend he was texting him. So anyway, uh, I have no ill will towards the other guy who got it. I would have done the same thing. So he, he's like all excited. And it's the last time you can steal it. So the biggest prize of the day was this this grasshopper, and this guy got it. And uh, my friend, my other friend, came up to me and said, "Man, I was really hoping Austin could have had that that grasshopper." I was like, "Yeah, hey, that's nice. It's okay, no problem." So at the end of the thing, and I'm looking at Austin, I can realize it's over his head. He has no idea that he lost that grasshopper. So, mm. and I was like, "Hey, buddy, you can't you can't take that." And he goes, "Why not?" And he said he was going to have it. He said you missed the part where the other guy took it. He was like, "Oh, well." I mean, my son doesn't need any more crap, but I'll tell you, bless their heart, I have two friends in, who got stuff that day, and they both gave him planes that were in the pile. Oh, cool. So he got that Typhoon. He'll like that. He'll like that. Yeah, he was like ready to start building. I said, you know what? It's 9 o'clock. It's bedtime. Yeah. So, maybe when you come home tomorrow, you can look at it. But So anyway, it all turned out well for him. I got a little uh, Arctic 10-ounce camo cup, so I'm drinking from that right now. So thank you, whoever donated that. Uh, my little gag gift for the group was I got a gift card from Home Depot, but I screwed it between two pieces of wood. <laughs> and so and it had a big question mark on it. So when they when they unwrapped the wood, they didn't know what was inside of it. So for the longest time, all he had was this question mark, you know, <laughs> and nobody would take it from it because they didn't know what it was. So like halfway or a little later than halfway, Austin gave him his screwdriver. 
so he could start opening up. And the guy goes, how? I really could use a Home Depot gift card. So <laughs> the fact that he didn't open it, no one else could figure out what it was. So it was it was the mystery gift right. that no one chose to steal. So in the, in the end, this guy who got it was like appreciative. So I kind of felt like my, uh, my plan worked. Although a $15 gift card versus a $300 plus <laughs> packaged airplane. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, somebody didn't get the memo. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, Merry Christmas. That was fun. We had a we had a nice evening. It was good to see my friends. Like I said, it was one of the first times I've been out in a week or so. So uh, uh, anyway, I, I enjoyed doing that. And I know Austin was was thrilled to have some guys uh, give him some playing. So thanks, sure. thanks everyone. You know who you are for for participating. And there you go. No, I've done my show. What have you been doing for the past two weeks, or do you have anything else coming up? Well, uh, yes to both. Um, we had some pretty nice weather here the last couple of weeks, and nice is a relative term for you, but that means there's snow on the ground, but it's still relatively warm, and uh, the wind's calm, and the sun peaks out every now and then. So I've been talking about that Hobby Lobby Skimmer 400, and I flew it on my own a few weeks ago, and everything went just perfectly. And then last week, I took it back out, and my buddy Lewis met me out at the field, and he was helping me get stuff ready. And so he was holding the transmitter. And I'm like, oh, I'll just toss it for him and let him fly it. So I went over and just threw it for him. And immediately the thing just points straight up and starts acting crazy. And he's like, oh, this thing feels a little tail heavy. And he kept it going and flew it for a minute. And I'm like, well, let me have a feel. Maybe something's different. And so I took the transmitter. And he's right. Man, this thing feels tail heavy like crazy. And so I managed to bring it around and kind of plopped it into the snow. And I don't know what it is. The CG is in the same spot. And the only thing that I changed from the first flight was uh, the throw on the rudder. I actually mechanically changed it. So I can't figure out what would make it act that way. But the next time, oh, the one difference was the first time I flew it, it was very calm. And the second time it was a little bit windy. And the field we're at is surrounded by tall trees. So it gets a little turbulent. So maybe it was just the dihedral making it rock around and act tail heavy or something. I'm not really sure, and I'm not convinced that theory holds much water. But on the next calm day, I'm going to go out and fly it again and uh, see if I can figure anything out. Because it was like Ooh. a completely different airplane. So you only made one change since the previous flight? and then, But had you flown it earlier that day, or he was the first flight on it? He was the first flight on that day. Hmm. Yeah, it was weird. And I was all confident about it. I know he's a good pilot, and I, I'm like, oh, this thing flew great last time. It was perfectly trimmed. So I just said, here, power up. I'll chuck it for you. And then <laughs> immediately, I'm like, whoa, what's going on? So anyway, but uh, it, nothing broke. And I've got a nice picture of it lawn darted into the snow with no damage. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, obviously, I've been driving that Inferno four-wheel drive car, and that's been fun. And I picked up a new project which is the uh, Night Radian. This is where you gasp. I know. I'm like, I just started drooling. It's cool. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. I've never owned a, a regular Radian. I've had the UMX Radian, and that's a lot of fun. But this is my first experience actually owning a full-size Radian. I've flown other ones, and they're a lot of fun. So I'm Man, looking forward you, to it. You remember... Uh, um, at E-Fest when they had like four or five of those micro radians flying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was cool. They, yeah, they did well. So, and again, I like uh, my little one a lot. It's fun to fly. And, Ooh, um, do you think you can tow the radian up with your car? All right, cut it out. How did I do it? Did <laughs> I ruin it for you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, oh, come on. You are. You know you want to do it. You know you want to. You're, I'm your friend. Talk to me. No one's uh, listening. Uh, I'm sure that car would tow just about anything, but I, <laughs> I need you up here to help. You have to drive one or the other. You got you got other buddies up there. Oh, and you know what? Yeah. Speaking of buddies, have you had any progress finding a new field? Um, to be honest, I haven't looked yet. The so my club lost its field uh, a couple months ago, and we have a committee that's actually looking for a new field. And there have been other clubs in the area that have opened their doors to our members. Um, but about that same time, the weather started turning bad. So I'm like, ah, I'll wait until spring or whenever to really start looking heavily. And in the meantime, maybe our field committee will find an alternate place for us. So it's on hold. 
In the meantime, I've been flying at local parks that are big enough for what I'm flying. And there's several of those around. Do you keep in touch with some of your former buddies at the other place? I mean, you can get to there? Um, not as much as I should. So I'm being horrible. <clears throat> you probably couldn't tow the, the little glider because it doesn't have ailerons, right? That'd probably be difficult. Correct. It's a three-channel. Rudder, elevator, throttle. And it's now, just... Go ahead. Uh, well, when we first talked about this, and I may have cleared this up before, but I was under the impression that you could change the lighting sequences from the transmitter, but that is not the case, at least not in a box stock form. You've got a LED controller, and there's a few buttons on that, and you toggle through the buttons to pick the sequence and the... Uh, was it bright? Uh, no, it's the speed that it cycles through things, the different patterns. So it's a It's a physical button, right? Yeah, it's a board with three different buttons. One button goes forward through the menu, one button goes backwards through the menu, and the middle button, like if it's a pattern of things, it's the speed which it cycles through that pattern. So if you had to put a servo to tap one of the buttons in flight, which one would you want to, which one would you use? I think even the tiniest micro with a little short arm would be fine. Oh, I, I mean, I didn't mean servo. Which button would be the best choice to I mean, it's not a menu button that would change the lights. Which which one would actually let you change a, a sequence? So it's, it's probably... Either of two. You could do the forward or backward cycling through the menus. Okay. Yeah. There you go. But the radio is pretty tight on this guy. So if you were talking about doing that, it would it would take a little bit of head scratching and and engineering to fit stuff in there. Well, do you think you could put in a on-off switch or wired in? I'm sure that somebody's working on a, a radio-operated direct-to-receiver kind of switch. It seems like it'd be fairly straightforward to do to somebody with you know, reasonable skills. I'm not that guy, but it seems like it wouldn't be a far stretch. I like that. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. I mean, I've always enjoyed when I first started seeing night flying at best... Uh, it'll be Michael and Ernest. You know, I think it was Ernest, the one where he had like two servos set up. Uh-huh. And, and then I think one of the servos was just on and off. So he'd be flying and all of a sudden it would disappear, you know. Oh, right. And you're going, where is it? And, you know, he knows where the plane is. He's kind of has his location in mind. And all of a sudden it shows up somewhere else. Right. And you're like, ooh, and ah. <laughs> it's like, but I think I could probably do the same thing if I was like, you know, I didn't wait five minutes <laughs> to turn it back on. <laughs> Remember the first ones we did where we were individually soldering resistors to each LED and then these long magnet wire stretches? Oh, man. That's, Those were the th days. Th thanks for bringing up the pain. Yeah. Kids these days, they don't know. Did I ever count how many I put in that darn glow dog? I'd probably not. You don't want to know. I don't, yeah. That was a lot. That was a lot of uh, resistors. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of soldering. I've still got a little bin here full of loose resistors and uh, LEDs. Me too. They'll probably anyway. stay there a long time. Well, and the the Radian, it's all strips, right? Uh, yeah, I assume so. It's all built in. It's the multicolor, the RGB stuff. So you get a lot of different colors out of them. Have you ever just picked up a strip of that stuff with the RGB controller? Just played yep. with it? I use it for my shop lighting for videos. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah. So back to the airplane. I haven't flown it yet, but it's pretty much ready. Um, the CG on it is a little weird. They tell you to fly it with a 1350 milliamp hour three cell, but with that, it's nowhere close to hitting the CG, they tell you. so. But you can use up to a 2200, and maybe bigger if you try. So I've got a 2200 in it, and it's still shy of the CG. So reading up on it, it sounds like a lot of people have always flown radians with the CG further back than what the manual says. Um, so I'm wrestling with the idea of either adding lead to the nose or trying to rearward CG. So I haven't decided yet. Ooh. Well, it looks like they fly real well. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So, I mean, I shouldn't be stressing over it, but you know, I just don't want to dork it on the first flight. And, yeah, yeah, well, it's a glider. So, <laughs> right so oh. I, knowing me i'll hedge my bets and i'll just put some weight on it for the first flight and then i'll gradually remove it as i get comfortable does it have a tow hook on it by any chance just as a extra gadget nope okay that's all all motor all motor yeah 
Well, I figured it did. I just didn't know if they, you know, and, and just in case you have an RC car and you want to tow it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was fun, though. I will say that. that but I, I, I reminisce about when we did that at best. Mm. And boy, that, that car gets away from you pretty darn fast. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's way down that field. and You're going, am I going straight? <laughs> <laughs> and as the glider gets higher, it starts dancing. It's like you, you need to be elevated to see where that car is going because it just does, and it's so low to the ground. I mean, <laughs> but it's fun if you have a chance to try, you know, a car tow, an aero tow, a car. Is it car? Well, it's, it's still an aero tow. Well, Call it a car tow? launch. Car yeah. launch. Okay. Well, yeah. that see, see, a car launch to me would be like putting it on top of the car, <laughs> just going really fast. <laughs> That's true. I've given you ideas. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to try that weekend that we never did was to put a pulley in the ground so that the car is always pulling the tow rope parallel to the ground. And then... Yeah, what happened with that? I don't remember. Because I think every time we did that, we took up the whole field. So we were you know, cognizant to be quick and get in and get out. We didn't really have a whole lot of loiter time to try that stuff. Gotcha. So. Alrighty. So, anything else for Christmas you were looking to get? Any other thoughts for the holidays? We need to kind of wrap this up so our listeners can get back to their holiday shopping. Um, no, I I don't see anything I can't live without. I see lots of cool stuff coming out though, and it looks like some pretty good sales. Um, somebody mentioned the UMX Timber it was a hundred bucks this week, so I highly recommend that plane. Yeah, they had the Champ, you know, S Plus for. 99 bucks you know the hmm. the the, R, the rtf version too which you know you're buying a transmitter which i quickly said just throw away <laughs> but i i would not be against recommending that as long as you turned off the gps mode and turned off safe and had a blast with it it's it's a fun little plane i think yeah. actually one of our listeners uh, said he caved in and went ahead and bought it so i'm looking looking forward to his uh, feedback uh, he bought the uh, timber oh he bought the timber i thought he said he bought the champ oh well, if we're talking about the the same post Oh, I don't think so. He this was on my chant post. Okay, but either one's a good plane. So I mean, I've heard good things about the timber, but I guess it's it was a good full size timber. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Rooney. Alrighty. Well, it was a pleasure chatting with you, Terry. Likewise. Sorry, Fitz. You you aren't here, but I will talk to you in a couple of weeks, and I'm sure he'll give us a response, a heated response. <laughs> <laughs> Does Fitz get heated? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he has that gene. He just gets noisy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope I hope his day goes well. And uh, I guess I, I will talk to you later. And uh, I wish you Merry Christmas, my friend. And for all of you out there, enjoy the rest of the holiday season. And we'll hopefully be back, uh, you know, a couple of days after Christmas. Find out what, what we all may have received under the Christmas trees or, you know, just thrown at us or, you know, what special deals you got. I might do that. I might do the old day after Christmas sales and see what they got. Right, day after Christmas. That's when all the crashes happen, right? All well, the people who went and bought their new toy. and So, yeah. yeah. So, I guess I just need to go visit some of the flying fields and see what's in the trash can. <laughs> right, or <laughs> the parks and the parking lots and the schoolyards. That's, that's where or the just, good show is. Or just check my backyard for a drone. Okay, there you go. <laughs> we actually had a friend of ours find one in his backyard, so... There's a good chance I can get there, too. Finders keepers. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And again, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts, where you also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.